Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Mark Schaefer, and we'll explore Twitter and if it's time to take another look at this particular social network. Is it going through a renaissance? Have you ignored it? Is it time to take another look? By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And don't forget, I do have another podcast called the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. That's a weekly show where I break down all the news that happened in the last week in social media and help you discern what you should or should not focus on. Let's now transition over to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What did you find, Eric? I found a really cool artistic tool for our mobile phones for iOS and Android. It's called Portra. Portra. So, yeah. What? So, what this does is it works with, uh, it doesn't have to just work with selfies, but it's best used with selfies. And what this does is it adds flourishes of color and or transforms your selfie into different forms of artwork. Now, you might be thinking, well, isn't that what like some of the other apps we've described in the past do? Um, I'm trying to think of what the one is that, that's the most popular, uh, Prisma. Right. It's a lot like that except Prisma goes the route of transforming the images into actual like replications of popular art forms like cubism and things like that. This goes the other route of art and transforms it into like hand sketch appearance or oil paintings Hmm. and different things like that. And you can kind of dial the scale of it or the the intensity of it up and down so you can make it look more realistic or like hand-drawn and things like that. It's really cool. How do you spell it? P-O-R-T-R-A, Portra. So is this for still pictures and video or just still images? Still images only. Got it. And I'm imagining it has a palette of different options that you can choose from? Yes, there's a ton of different palettes and themes and uh, filters that you can use, and you can just select one and it applies it instantly. So you can try them all out, see which one works best on your selfie before you post it to Instagram and other sites. I would imagine it doesn't just have to be a selfie, right? Can it work on no. anything, you, any picture? Yeah, it works on any picture at all. So they uh, just, in their instances, they're showing a lot of selfies or, as I should say, portraits. Yep. Hence the name Portra. Now, um, is there, uh, is it free and then they have an upgrade for certain kind of filters or how does that work? 
Yes, exactly. That's that's that in-app model. Yeah, it's free, and then there's in-app purchases for some of the things. Although I didn't really see any that I needed to upgrade to, but mm. you know, some of our users might might like that. Now, is this iOS and and Android? Yes, it is for iOS and Android. How do we how do we get it? So the easiest way is probably just to go to the. Um, Portra website, which oh. is literally uh, Portra.me. Portra.me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric, for that brand new find. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the social media marketing podcast, not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the social media marketing society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with Mark Schaefer. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. This week, I'm excited to be joined by my good friend, Mark Schaefer. If you don't know who Mark is, he's the author of Known, The Content Code, and the fourth edition of The Tao of Twitter. He's also the co-host of the Marketing Companion podcast, and he's been on my show probably as many as just about any guests seven times. Mark, welcome back for the seventh time to the show. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, ubiquity is what I aim for, Mike. <laughs> well, if you didn't have good stuff to say, I definitely wouldn't be bringing you back. And today, oh man, it's an honor. It's always an honor, you know. And the the thing that's always amazing to me, Mike, is the how long lasting your episodes are. I get comments about older episodes I've done with you. Like a year ago or two years ago, people go back and they must binge listen to your shows. So it's really, you've got I think an amazing show you. here. Thank you. I think they do. Um, and we don't cover, you know, some of the stuff that you and I cover, like Twitter today isn't a topic I cover all the time. So that's why I think that's ha that happens. So today that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Twitter. Is it still relevant? Does it still matter? Um you know, it's it's an important thing to talk through, and Mark and I are going to talk about it and where it's at and where it's heading. So, um, Mark, I want to open up with this question. Why has Twitter kind of fallen off the radar of so many marketers? And more importantly, is it still relevant to us? I mean, that's, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> that is a huge question. And uh, you mentioned that that I've I've come up with this new edition of of the Twitter book, the the Tao of Twitter, or the the Chinese pronunciation is the Tao of Twitter, but Tao is a little more fun to say. And the first edition of this book came out in 2010, 
And there was another edition in 2012 and another edition in 2014. And so this is the fourth edition. And the question that you're asking me, that is the thing I had to wrestle with when coming out with this new book. What is Twitter now? Is it still relevant? It has changed so much. I mean, you and I both were on on there pretty early. That's probably how you and I first connected is, is through Twitter. And it was hot and it was fun and it was conversational. And I think to a lot of people today, it just seems kind of spammy and people posting a lot of links. So I had to do a deep dive and rediscover what is Twitter today. And what I found was really pretty amazing. It was pretty interesting. There's, There's really three Twitter worlds. The first is the Twitter world of Wall Street, which is not very good, uh, and the reputation isn't very good. Twitter has not done a good job really monetizing their company and the amazing assets that they have. They are constantly compared to Facebook, and they're just not getting the revenue growth. They're not getting the user growth that Facebook is getting, and so that's why I think there's somewhat of a negative tone toward Twitter which carries over into other areas. Mm-hmm. Now, Twitter's last earnings announcement just a few weeks ago was a blockbuster. It exceeded expectations. So maybe there's momentum there. The second world of Twitter is the business world that you and I work in. And what I see is that there's, first of all, so much attention on Facebook advertising, Google advertising, that's where all the momentum is. I mean, you and I probably know a number of people who are Google AdWord experts, Facebook ad experts. Who's the Twitter ad expert? <laughs> there's not a lot going on there, and there's so much attention over here, and there's a good reason for that. A lot of brands and companies really are using Twitter as a broadcast channel. I think intellectually, they know it's about conversations and they know it's about relationships, but they still just post links and it doesn't work. And then they say, well, Twitter's stupid and it doesn't work and they get disheartened. Well, wait, hold but, on a second. Why do you think yeah. they do that? There was a time when that was pretty effective, right? Yeah, it is. And it still is. And we're, we're later in the show, you know, we'll be talking about some examples, but, you know, I, it's hard to scale being human it's it's hard to scale conversations but you know when we get to some of the examples about you know people who are doing it well you'll see that there's plenty of opportunity because that brings us to twitter world number three and that those are the 330 million active users who love this thing it is part of the fabric of their lives they're loyal they have fun they have they chat with each other. They play games. It's where news breaks. It's part of the fabric of their lives. So the the enigma to me is this gap. I mean, Twitter's bigger than Snapchat. Look at all the attention Snapchat's getting. Twitter has more advertising options and better dashboards and measurables than Snapchat. Why isn't there more you know action going on in the Twitter world? And I think that will what what will happen is I do think there's going to be a Twitter renaissance because 
we're seeing that you know Facebook announced a few months ago that they're running out of room, running out of places to put their ads, which means the ad prices are going to go up, which means it's going to be more difficult to compete. Companies are going to be looking for alternatives, and maybe it's a time to you know relook at some of the things that the Twitter's doing, especially because there's this massive engaged loyal audience there that is really underserved by brands and if you look at some of the data and research the people on twitter are more brand loyal than people on other platforms like facebook or youtube so there is an opportunity there and i'm really kind of inspired by what's going on in twitter today it just i think has to be rediscovered by businesses and who might make a consistent effort at trying to succeed there again. You bring up some interesting points because let's be honest, Facebook is the center of all social media news, right? They, yeah, they as it cons- should be. They consistently innovate with a lot of really innovative technology and features. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got the largest following. They've got the largest revenue. They seem to keep all the camps ha- happy, if you were, if you will, right? They've got the... They've got the, you know, the, the, um, wall street loves them. Marketers love them. And, um, you know, the user base is strong and it kind of makes it hard to really, uh, live in the same universe with them (laughs) if we're, if if we're intellectually honest. Right. But at the other side, what I hear you saying is that there's still a huge loyal, regular user base on Twitter and maybe, it's time that we reconsider Twitter, despite it not being in the news for anything other than bad earnings calls, you know, historically, um, or flat user growth and stuff like that. Cause it does well, send a signal to us, doesn't it? That may be a false signal for us marketers. Well, and I also think we need to look at this at, uh, on a case by case basis. I think if you're especially a small to medium sized business, Looking at a local or regional audience, Twitter might even have some amazing advantages compared to Facebook because you can tune in to local conversations. So I'll give you an example. I did this experiment with a local uh, pizza place. And, uh, you know, this guy had, you know, he's trying the Facebook ads and everything else like like everybody else and really wasn't having any success. And I said, well, you know, you can use advanced Twitter search to save uh, your searches for certain words appearing in conversations in our neighborhood like pizza. <laughs> so I showed him how to set this thing up. And you can set up a, a stream and you just look at it every day and see who in the who in our area. You can actually say, I want to see every conversation within five miles of this zip code. Everybody who says the word pizza, restaurant, dining out, something like that. What we found, Mike, is on average, there was a mention of pizza every 20 minutes in, in this area. Hmm. And it might have been silly things like, Oh, I can't believe how stupid I am. I just dropped my pizza (laughs) face down on the floor. And I said, what would happen if you tweeted that person back and said, we're going to send you a new pizza. We're going to deliver you a new pizza. Even if they didn't buy it from you, you're, you're becoming a legend. There was another person on there 
complaining about how slow the delivery was from one of their competitors. I said, what if you responded and said, look, next time, try us. There was another pe- person saying, my, my parents are coming to town. What's the best pizza place in town? What if you tweeted back and said, you know, humbly, I think we're the best pizza place. Please come by. We'd love to meet your parents. Your first round of drinks are on us. That's smart. Those are the opportunities to, to, to manage and, and build that emotion, build that connection, build that loyalty, even have some fun with your community. Even if you're a mom and pop business, like, you know, a, you know, a dry cleaner or a bakery or, or a pizza place, something like that, just connecting and, and to the community. And what I've found is that the people who use Twitter a lot are very loyal. So if you're the only local business of your type that's engaging with people on on uh, Twitter, uh, that can be a competitive advantage. So as of the publication date of this podcast, which is early 2018, it's been a couple of years since you last wrote your book on Twitter, the top of Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think you said it was 2014, right? So, or was it 15? Whatever it was. 2014, yeah. yeah 2004. So in the three to four years since you wrote that book, mm-hmm. how has Twitter changed? What was it about then? What is it about now? And if you got any stats other than the 300 million, I'd love to hear those as well. I think the, the biggest thing I saw that was kind of really encouraging and energizing to me is the biggest thing that hasn't changed is that Twitter is the most human-powered social network. And what I mean by that is that whenever you, sure, everybody enjoys Facebook and everybody enjoys YouTube, but you always kind of feel like you're at their mercy, like they're making changes and they're setting the standards and something is there one day and it's gone the next day. Right. Um, you know, you and I are seeing there's a big controversy right now about LinkedIn made changes to SlideShare that everybody's unhappy with. But if you think about the most fun and useful things on Twitter, they're all created by people. Twitter did not invent the hashtag. A person did. Twitter did not invent Twitter chats. People did. Twitter doesn't run Twitter chats. It's people and groups of people connecting. The the, the games that people play, the word games, and, and the different things that people do for fun, it's all generated by the hearts and minds and passion and energy. The, the changes that we've seen in um, uh, just uh, in, um, let's say, uh, civil changes, in uh, protests, in civil actions, it's all powered by people. The content is going viral, powered by people. That hasn't changed. And that's one of the things you just have to love about Twitter <laughs> is, is the power, the energy, the fun is fueled by the people, not a platform. Now, the biggest thing that has changed, I think, is that Twitter has added a lot of cool things. And I have to be honest here. You know, I'm just like a lot of marketing people. I kind of ignored Twitter too for a long time. But once I got into it, I saw that Twitter had ad- has added a lot of really cool features that um, just make it a lot more fun, a lot more engaging. 
And I think these are some of the things that are causing this turnaround. Chief among those, I would say, is some of the amazing deals they've created with video and right. video providers. Right. And I was confused, Mike, you know, when I saw that they've they've like created a deal with the NFL. It's like, who wants to watch an NFL game on Twitter? <laughs> I just didn't get it. But then I did it. And whenever you watch any sort of video programming on Twitter, you see this stream of relevant and frankly, hilarious tweets going on right along with the content. It's like entertainment times two. So it's, a, it's an amazing innovation, and that's something that can only be done on Twitter. Uh, tweets commenting on real-time events uh, has become kind of their heart and soul. It's where the news is breaking. There's no live event, no sporting event, no award show that that ever doesn't mention tweets or feature tweets somehow on the show. And so they're they're capitalizing on some of that real-time conversation to make uh, Twitter more fun. Well, we should also mention Twitter was the first social network to come out with live video, uh, which is a pretty big innovation, um, you know, with uh, with Periscope, you know, coming out uh, in 2015, that really was a game changer for a lot of people. And all of a sudden you had people going live and walking around with their mobile phones and essentially becoming like mobile reporters, you know, mm -hmm. and that now is of course uh, on Instagram and Facebook as well. But Twitter, Twitter was the, you know, one of the first, the first social network to bring that innovation to the table. You also had native video, right? The ability to actually not just link to YouTube, <laughs> but mm -hmm. upload video to it. So it is, it is, um, you know, it is, it is interesting to see how they have changed. But I think one of the bigger changes, Mark, that we haven't talked about is the fact that they've reclassified themselves in the uh, apps directories out of social networks and into, I think, news and media. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. They no longer refer to themselves as a social network, but instead kind of a, they're under the media category. Um, what's that signal tell you? It signals to me that they're really still confused. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 you know, the biggest problem Twitter has always had is that they really haven't been able to say what they are. There's no elevator speech for Twitter. And again, it gets back to this point that Twitter is the most human-powered network. When when those guys uh, created Twitter, I, was, I guess it was probably about 2006, 2007 is when they were working on it, they never could have imagined where it has gone, what it has become. And that's because the people are finding new and creative ways to use it. Businesses are, are, are finding all these new and creative uh, uses for it that no one could imagine, no business could create. It's uh, uh, Twitter is a, a real-time global brainstorming session. It's a continuous brainstorming session. And yet Twitter doesn't even really realize what they have sometimes. And they've kind of done this and they've kind of done that. 
And I think that's part of the problem that they've had with monetization is they don't really even know what the power has. I think the power they have. People, I think, are telling them how much they love it and how they use it. And sometimes I I don't know if if Twitter even knows sometimes. It's it's undeniable that Twitter is a very, very powerful um, news channel. It's it's unbelievable to me. Even when I watch the, the 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 news on the big networks, what percentage of stories are coming from tweets? Right, are featuring tweets or featuring video from tweets because these are the people who are, who are on the ground. Right. Here here is one of the most amazing examples I've seen. Last year, we had a train overturn in our community, and it was spewing toxic chemicals. This was a, a nightmare situation. It was, it was one of the biggest news events of the year, and yet no news reporter could get close because they cordoned off the area. They were evacuating people. The airspace was closed. You couldn't get video. You couldn't get pictures. You couldn't get quotes. You couldn't get anything of the biggest news story of the year, except one reporter. And this is what he did. He did a Twitter advanced search for that zip code, and he searched for every tweet that had OMG. Oh, my God. And he found the news. He found the photos. He found the videos. He was able to talk to the people. He was the only reporter who had a news story because huh. nobody else could get close. But he had all this live stuff coming at him through the tweets. Fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, Twitter is an indispensable place for news today. I can see maybe why it's moving that way. But you still can't ignore the 330 million people who are using it just to have fun. All right. Well, you talked about the pizza example you talked about the news reporter searching for um keywords are there any other examples of marketers or businesses using twitter well that are worth dialogue the favorite examples i've seen over the last couple months are the organizations that are just really connecting and sort of having fun with all these people on Twitter. And there and there was a great example. Uh, someone sent out a tweet wondering that if uh, the Natural History Museum in New York and this another museum in New York, if they went to war, who would win? So, you know, the one museum said, oh, well, We've got a display on uh, Star Wars and lightsabers, so we would win. Then the other museum says, oh, well, you know, we've got, we've got dinosaurs. We've got a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It would just step on all these Jedi Knights and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so they went, they went back and forth and back and forth, and this thing went viral. Huh, that's funny. It was tweeted and retweeted. Thousands and thousands of times and people joined in the fun. And so the final winner, this was so hilarious, I think. <laughs> the final winner was the Natural History Museum because they ended it by saying, 
we've got example we've got samples of cockroaches and they outlast everything <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny there's another example uh, that I just looked at uh, in the last day or so. So, uh, it's it's the old classic brand Steakums. Now you wouldn't think Steakums is what, uh, what is that for know, people that don't know what that is. Steakums. It's oh well, you're right because you've got such a global audience. There are these wafer thin uh, like pieces of meat that you, if you need a real quick meal or a real quick sandwich, you got these frozen things. You throw these things in a frying pan and boom, within two minutes, you've got some nice hot meat you can put on a sandwich or put in a salad or something like that. This is the kind of meat that is kind of the iconic brand that goes into Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Got it. So they're, they're, they're a decades old established brand, but but they just they, – they've got somebody on their team that's engaging with people all day long. Just talking about food and cracking jokes about steakum, and look, that sort of marketing, that's that sort of thing. The budget for that has to be very, very low. You know, you're not taking out ads; you're just having fun. You're engaging with people, but what's happening is that it, it, it's attracting attention. It's getting people to start talking about steakums. And look, I gotta tell you something. I haven't thought about steakums in ten years. <laughs> I'm getting hungry just listening to you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about how nice that meat just sizzles in a pan. And I'm going to go buy some. And it's because, you know, they're they're using these creative ways. And Mike, you know, you and I, we've been friends for a long time. And I know you listen to my podcast and you've read my books and you've been in most of my books. Thank you. And one of the things that's so close to my heart and a theme of all my writing is this idea about being human. We, we need to be more human. This is the killer app. In every opportunity we have to create content or connect with people or engage with people, we have to put it through this filter. How can we be more human? That's what we crave as humans. We always have. And somehow we've forgotten about that. We, we treat people differently online versus how we might treat our friends offline. And we have to stop that. I think many, in many ways, Mike, marketing is is broken. We're use, we're doing social media campaigns that are created, you know, by an SEO specialist or an IT specialist who's done A B testing. Or we read some new thing in a blog post about how this type of pop ad, pop-up ad works better. And what we're forgetting is that people hate a lot of this stuff. It's disconnected from what, what people really want, what they need, what they love. And I'm not saying there's not a place for SEO or, or A-B testing. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I think we also need to re- rediscover our heart. We yeah. need to re- rediscover emotion. And that's what drives Twitter. It always has. Hopefully, <clears throat> it always will. SEO doesn't drive Twitter. A-B testing doesn't drive Twitter. You know, you, you might use SEO to, to, to trick people into clicking a link, but you can't trick them into reading it. You can't trick them into sharing it. 
you still have to do the work. You still have to show yourself. You have to bring yourself to marketing. And if you can't do that on Twitter, it's not going to work. And that's why it's been so difficult for so many organizations to, to be successful there. Well, and I have a couple things for any marketer listening that they probably know, but they've forgotten. First of all, Twitter is probably the only platform where you can actually directly contact someone who's exceptionally high profile and actually get a response. Um, couple of examples. I uh, was going to Star Wars Celebration, which is a big event in Orlando. And my daughter, my oldest daughter had found out who the person was that handled the social account for a Lucas. And um, I just tweeted him and said, hey, we're big fans. He didn't reply, but that he, he did follow me. So then I sent him a private wow. message. Wow. And then he responded back. He said, I know who you are. I listened to your podcast. I'm like, are you kidding oh my me? Gosh. That's the coolest thing ever. I said, can we, can we meet you? So when we were at Star Wars Celebration, and I said, my daughter's a big fan. So when we met at Star Wars Celebration, he spent like 20 minutes with us. And then he asked my daughter, would you like a, would you like a tour of Lucas? And she said, yes. So we flew up to the Presidio in San Francisco and he gave us a private tour. Oh, uh, Mike, that's awesome. Of Lucasfilms. And she got a chance to meet the people that put on the Star Wars show. And she was like stoked. <laughs> you know, and this is this happens over and over again. I've had people re reach it out to me with, with uh, you know, with tips and stuff. And then it, it's just you cannot overlook the way that this is a perfect direct communication medium, even though it's public, you know, people are scared to do this. Um, but I had another person who watches my show called the journey reach out to me with a couple of tips. Um, and he said, can I send you a message? And he sent me a private message and we've been interacting and I've been taking his tips and it's just, it's such a cool platform for, for actually interacting with people. And, you know, I think so many of us, Mark, just reply, especially those of us that have any substantial following, like, mm -hmm. like you and me, you know, we often are just in the mood of, we're going to reply to people that tweet us, but you can even like, and that's how I use it to be honest with you. But one time I just posted a question up on Twitter recently and I got a bazillion responses. So there still is a community there. Well, they're absolutely. still looking, they're still it, looking it, for interaction, you know? Yeah. And one of the examples in my in my book is um, there was a fellow they they had a uh, a fund drive to benefit uh, victims of the Boston Marathon bombing, and so they had this idea that they were to deliver the check. They were their their running club, who had the fundraiser, was going to run from Tennessee to Boston. In you know they were going to take turns, but they were going to run continuously to deliver this check. Huh. So I thought, well, all along the way, I think it, you know it would be interesting. You know there were probably television stations that would want to cover this. So they emailed every single big city television station along the way. They got zero responses. Then they found the reporters at those stations and they tweeted them. And they had nearly a 100% response rate and had coverage all along the way. So Fascinating. it's just like- Yeah, well, journalists I mean, are definitely looking for news, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just like, I think you're bringing up a very interesting point. What's the open rate for direct mail? What's the open rate for email? Now, think about what's the open rate for a message on Twitter? It's very, very high. Even on LinkedIn, a lot of people are very frustrated. The, you know, the response rate on LinkedIn 
is very, very low. But but if you get a tweet, you know, and it shows up, it's like, wow, well, who's this person? That's interesting. I, I, you almost always get a response. I can't remember the last time I didn't get a response. Absolutely. It is pretty powerful. And then the other use case in our case is we uh, – uh, especially with our conference, a lot of people tweet out the hashtag for our conference and they ask if it's a good event. And of course, our team is monitoring that. So they're going to respond. Oh, yeah, it's a great event. Check out this tweet over here. You know, it's yeah. just kind of like you got to be you got to. It's almost like, um, you know, this is so basic, really, if we think about this, but we've, especially any of us who have been on Twitter for a long time, this is how we all used to operate. But we've gotten into this automation you know, and we're using third-party tools and all that stuff. And, you know, my, my good word is just to get on there and start experimenting and just see if you get interaction. Um, Mark, next question is 280 characters. Um, you know, as of this recording, it's been out for about a month. Um, what's your thoughts on them, Twitter, doubling the amount of characters that you can do on tweets? Do you like it or do you dislike it? Love, 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 love. I do too. I do too. I, I wasn't sure at first, but I actually really like it. And I know, I know many of the purists hated it, but you know, they'll get over it. And I'm sure, I mean, the one thing about Twitter is that they, they don't do anything random. Before they make a change, they, they test it, they evaluate it. And usually when Twitter makes a change, it sticks. It's right. pretty, it's pretty good. And the thing I like about it is, you know, doggone, it's hard to communicate in 140 characters. And I know you've probably done this too. You know, whenever you have a retweet and you got you got to get rid of that colon to get under the 140 characters. I called it the colonoscopy. You had to do a colonoscopy. And I'm sure, Mike, I'm the first person on your podcast to use colonoscopy in your podcast. I think, yeah, I think that's correct. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> So you got to create a colonoscopy just to get another 140 characters. You're trying to take out apostrophes, anything. Now it's like 280 characters. Hey, I can deal with that. I I, I love it. It's better for telling stories. It's better it's for better. replies too, man, because you can give a much yes. a much bigger response in a reply, right? I hated replying. You know, you know, people would you know. Lots of people would say, hey, Mark, can you give me my marketing strategy on over – well, you can't do that over 140 characters. can't really do that over 280. But 280, it, you can have much more meaningful interaction. I, I like it, and I think it's going to help Twitter a lot. I think it's a, I think it's a good move for marketing too um, because you can tell a little bit more of a story now. You know, Instead of just being a headline alone, you can actually tell a bit more of it. And I know – I know that a lot of people I know were vehement, whatever that word is, vehemently, vehemently, yeah, vehemently opposed to it. But I think, I think now that they've experienced it, you know, I think people generally just hate change. But now that it's there, I actually, I actually quite like it a lot. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they double it again to, you know, whatever that is, uh, five hundred and sixty characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just hide the rest of it under a more under a more button or something like that. Mm, but mm. you know, I think it's about time. Um, I do wish Twitter would you know continue to innovate. I think it'd be really cool if they could come out with some sort of a stories type feature. You know, like um, like you see on Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah. Um, just to make it easy to record short form video because um, you know you you technically can do video right now on Twitter, but I don't see a lot of people doing it. Um, but, but I do love Twitter 
and I don't think it's going away. We should mention it does have an algorithm, and the algorithm is, you know, uh, all the social networks have an algorithm, but mm-hmm. what they're not going to algorithmically stop is interactions from human to human, right? Instead, mm-hmm. what they're going to stop is they're going to stop the spammers. So, right, right. Um, you know, Mark, this has been a really cool dialogue. Uh, I know your book digs into a lot of this stuff in more detail. Why don't you just give a quick overview of what people would find in your book, the Tao of Twitter, and where they can discover it and get it and all that fun stuff? Well, I think uh, the thing that I'm so proud about is that this is this has been a beloved book for really, you know, almost a, almost a decade now. It's been the best-selling book on Twitter for many, many years. It's helped a lot of people. And, you know, Twitter – 60% of the people who try Twitter quit because it's almost like a different world with a different language and it has a rhythm and there's no operating instructions. That's what my book is and that's why I think it'll really help people. So if you're a beginner, there's like a special section for beginners, a special you know area for intermediate people and there's even a ton of great ideas about how to specifically – use Twitter in new and creative ways for businesses. Even if you have known and loved Twitter for 10 years, there's stuff that you can get out of this book. It's the Dial of Twitter. It's available in paper, Kindle, and audio, uh, wherever fine books are sold. And it's spelled T-A-O. Just so, those, just so those that don't know how to spell Dow or Tao. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Mr. Schaefer, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Uh, really appreciate your time. And you guys um, that are listening, be sure to go out and get his book. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. If there was anything we mentioned and you wanted to reference it, we take all those notes. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash 283. New to the show? Hit the subscribe button. That way you'll never miss a future episode. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Let's see how fast I can talk. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.